Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 81 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, we are going to talk about how American Ninja Warrior can challenge your spiritual life. Let's dive in. There's a few things that most people probably don't know about me. One, I'm a huge fan of musical theater. I really love sharks, and I'm an avid fan of American Ninja Warrior. Years ago, I stumbled across a YouTube video of someone doing some obstacle, and I was I was so intrigued. And so I began to look it up, and I found out it was this thing called American Ninja Warrior. Well, that very next year, they actually started showing American Ninja Warrior on television, and I was captivated. I was hooked. I was so impressed by these men and women who were trained to such a degree where they can do these crazy, seemingly impossible obstacles. Well, this week is the end of season 10, and uh, I just absolutely love the summertime because it's American Ninja Warrior season. Well, I'm not obsessed, and I don't watch it all the time, but I'm constantly inspired whenever I turn on an episode of just what, what these men and women who have been training all year long can do on these obstacle courses. Now, if you've never seen American Ninja Warrior, let me just kind of give you the quick overview because it's going to help set the stage for what I want to talk about. See, there are these men and women all around the country who spend thousands of hours training their bodies so that in the late spring, they can gather together in several cities across the nation and compete in hopefully what will become the city finals. So they do this qualifiers, they finally make it to the city finals, and of, of the 100 or so people who start in the city, 15 people who make it the furthest, the fastest, go on to nationals in Las Vegas every summer. Well, it's interesting in this city finals that you don't actually have to finish the course to make it to the nationals. You just have to be in the top 15 people who make it the furthest, the fastest. But when you get into the national competition, when the best 100 people from all over the nation gather together for this competition, there's four stages. If you fall once, you're done. You could be spending thousands upon thousands upon thousands of hours training your body to do whatever is going to be required of it. And yet, if you make one one mistake, one accident, and you fall into the water, you're done. Now, as I was finishing watching the end of the season, 
I was really awestruck about the parallels between that concept and our spiritual life. Think about this. There are obstacles constantly in our life. And what's interesting in a physical sense, here are these men and women who are training day after day after day, doing blood, sweat, and tears kind of stuff in order to prepare for this grand moment. And you realize that their success is not on whether they train the night before the competition. Their success is determined by what they do all year long, how they've eaten all year long, what they've done to put it, you know, what they put in their mind and what they put in their bodies and how they've exerted energy and practice and trained all year long. See, you can't wait until you get to the starting line to say, oh, I probably should train for this because you're not going to make it. Let me give you an illustration. Over the last few years, I've ran several 10K uh, competitions. It's, you know, 6.2 miles. And granted, I can't run the entire thing in one jot, but you know, I kind of do this, you know, I, I can run for the first couple of miles and then I tend to do this walk, jog, walk, jog, walk, jog thing, <laughs> uh, whatever you want to call that. Well, last summer I had entered into a, one of these 10 Ks and, and I had forgotten to train the few weeks before things were really busy and, and, and I kind of forgot about it. And I looked at my calendar. And I said, Oh, there's a 10 K this weekend. And I already paid the entrance fee. So I said, well, I don't want to waste it. I just, I'll just go and do it. Now I've been sort of training, but I haven't been focused on the running aspect of my training. And I says, well, this shouldn't be a big deal. I've been doing some other stuff. I'll be fine. Well, I got to the course on the day of the race and I got all prepared and it was finally my time to actually run. And so I was doing okay for the first little bit. And then I started noticing that this was harder than before. Now I've done a few 10 Ks before and yeah, you know, it's a, it's a challenge at some point, but you know, I can usually, I can usually withstand it. Well, this 10 K was painful. I finally got to the halfway point where we turn around and had to come all the way back that all, all the distance we just ran the 3.1 miles. And I was in agony. I was just thinking, how am I going to finish? This is impossible. And it dawned on me. I should have trained. And here I am, I'm running a race that I wasn't prepared to run. Isn't it interesting in our spiritual life? There's a similar concept that's working. That in the spiritual life, we are constantly going to be facing obstacles. And yet we don't know what obstacles are going to be presented before us. Which is why we need to have the diligence to be training all the time. And you could say, well, that sounds exhausting. No, 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 you're, you're missing the point. You see, the excitement comes in the midst of the training. I don't know about you, but I am not a fully athletic person. In fact, uh, one of my dear friends and trainers, he uh, says I have athletic tendencies, <laughs> which means I'm not athletic, but at least I have some tendencies, <laughs> which was at least encouraging for me. Well, I'm not built like an athlete. I just, you know, I, I do it because I need to do it and it's, and it is fun. But what I've noticed is that the more that I work out and the more that I do training, the more I actually enjoy it. In fact, there, are, there comes to this point where if I would do it consistently enough, the moment I don't do it, I actually feel pain and agony that my body actually craves that diligence of moving forward and that, that joy of exercise. What would happen if that was reality in our spiritual life? What if we could press into Jesus on such a level that, wow, we would just, oh, it wasn't a duty. It wasn't an obligation. It wasn't a, oh, I guess I have to, that the joy came in the pursuit of this lofty person named Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not asking 
whether you have a daily devotional time or do you do, do you do a quiet time? And there's nothing necessarily wrong with those. But really what I'm getting at is, are you daily consistently pressing in to allowing God to prepare you for whatever lies ahead? See, yeah, you should be reading your Bible and yes, you should be praying. And we talk about that stuff on this podcast, you know, fairly frequently. But you realize that so oftentimes just your daily discipline in the word and in prayer can become an obligation. It can become a duty. It, be, it can become a have to rather than a joy and a delight. Wouldn't it be fascinating if you would allow God to begin to train your life for the spiritual battle that we are in? See, what would happen if you begin to realize that, that your soul needs training? It's been fascinating to me to realize several times in scripture, Paul uses athletic language. Uh, for example, uh, when he was talking to the elders in, of Ephesus on his way to Rome, he says in Acts chapter 20, verse 22 through 24, he says, And see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, I don't even know what's coming up in front of me. There's, there's going to be obstacles and challenges that are awaiting me. But the way that I am living my life, hey, I... I realize that chains and tribulations wait me. I realize that difficulties are on the horizon. But hey, I do not count these things dear, nor do I am, I, am I stirred or moved by them because I want to finish my race, my life with joy. See, Paul is talking about the fact that he is going to die well, and he's using athletic language. In a similar sense, he says this to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. He says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? So run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest... When I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Paul says that we are in a race. And if you've ever gone to a race or if you've watched American Ninja Warrior, they're all competing for the exact same prize. And Paul says it's just temporal. It's going to fade away. It's really actually not worth anything. But we run, as Christians, we run and we go after an imperishable crown, a crown that lasts. So Paul says, well, Obviously, the way that I run then is with focus and diligence. I don't just fight as if one beating the air. I discipline my body and I will bring all things into subjection so that I may win this race. Now, Paul obviously tells us in 1 Timothy 4.8 that bodily exercise, the physical exercise profits, profits us a little. So, hey, it's not bad, but it only profits us a little bit. But godliness, Paul says, is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So he's not saying that exercise has no value. He says it does have value. But when you compare the physical exercise 
to spiritual exercise and godliness, wow, choose spiritual godliness. Now, (laughs) as maybe a side note, if you're physically unhealthy, you also need to choose physical exercise. Because how else are you going to run the spiritual race well? How are you going to finish the spiritual run if you're not physically able to even function? And oddly, there is this tie-in between our physical life and our spiritual life. We shouldn't just throw out the physical just because we're focused on the spiritual. If you are focused on the spiritual, yeah, don't become obsessed with the physical, but you shouldn't ignore it either. I was challenged recently by a book talking about the fact that in ministry, there's so many demands and pressures in ministry. And he says, even for no other reason than that, you should take care of your body physically. You should eat right and exercise frequently because otherwise you're not going to be able to serve the Lord for 50, 60, 80, 100 years into the future that you didn't take care of this vessel that God has entrusted you with. And so Paul says, yeah, bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness, spiritual exercise is profitable for all things. So take it back into the American Ninja Warrior concept. Here's a whole bunch of men and women who spend thousands of hours year after year after year for one chance on a nationals course. And if they fall after the first obstacle, which many of them did, you realize that it's not that the thousands of hours is a waste necessarily, but the prize that they were seeking has slipped through their fingers. But what's interesting to me is that the way that they have to train is they have to train in such a way where they don't know what kind of obstacles they're going to face because they're constantly changing the obstacles. Isn't that true in this spiritual life? That we should allow God to train us spiritually for whatever lies in front of us, whatever hardships or difficulties or pressures or circumstances that await us, we should be able to deal with them well as Christians. Why? Because we've been daily training. And just like you wouldn't get up to the starting line of an American Ninja Warrior competition and say, whoa, I should probably train that it's the, the success has come because of the diligence and the training you put up to this point. So too, in the spiritual life, when you're in the middle of those testings and obstacles and trials and tests, you realize that's not the time to start exercising spiritually, that that's the time that you prove out what God has been doing all along. So really the question is, how are you allowing God to train you now to prepare you for what is to come? Because I guarantee you, something is going to come. The writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer of Hebrews says there's this huge crowd surrounding watching us live out this epic race. So therefore, if you're going to be running a race, throw off every weight and everything that's going to hinder you. You wouldn't go to a race carrying the shackles. You, you wouldn't go to a race carrying this ball and chain on your ankle. See, you wouldn't go to run a race with a huge backpack full of rocks. And in a similar sense, spiritually, why would you carry the weight and the sin that so easily snares us? Why would you, why wouldn't you let God do something radical in your life so that you can run with endurance the race 
that is set before us with one single focus, which is Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith. Well, with that being said, let me just give you seven quick ideas of ways that that'll help you be trained for the spiritual life that we live. In other words, here are seven things that if you like to progress and be trained as a spiritual athlete, well, pursue these seven things. Number one, hardships and difficulties. Now, I know that doesn't sound fun at all, but do you realize that it's the hardships and trials and difficulties that actually prove you and test you and refine you for the battle? See, it's as you handle hardships well, in the midst of the difficulties, as you keep your focus on Christ and allow his grace to support you. See, it's in the midst of the, the trials that, and you come out the other side with, an, with this incorrigible cheerfulness and, and steadfastness. See, that is going to train you to handle the spiritual life. See, it's amazing the more weight that's put upon your shoulders and you realize he's not going to put more upon you than you can handle. But as you handle the weight that is put upon you, it actually strengthens you so you can handle more. Just like when you go to the gym and you start, you know, bench pressing 10 pounds. And you're like, "Woo! I'm bench pressing 10 pounds. That's building muscle so that next week you can bench press 15 and then 20, then 25, then 100, then 150. See, the idea is allow the hardships and trials and the difficulties to literally test you and strengthen you in your spiritual muscle. Number two, you realize that temptations are a way that train us. See, when temptations come, the issue is not so much the temptation. The issue is what are you going to do with the temptation? See, a temptation really has two options. It's either going to pull you apart from Christ or it's going to push you toward Christ. See, anytime that a temptation gets smack dab in the middle between me and God, it's only going to push us apart and I'm going to give in to sin. But interestingly, if I am so tight with Jesus, every time temptation shows up in my life, what if it would only press me toward him? See, what if I would recognize that in the midst of my temptation, that if I don't cling wholeheartedly to Christ, I will cave. So a temptation presents itself, whatever that may be, and I turn to Christ afresh and say, Jesus, I need you, and I cannot do this on my own. I am really putting my trust and dependence upon you, and with humility, I'm saying I can't, but I know that you can, so my faith is in you and your victory for my temptation. Do you realize that trains you? And what you'll notice is that the more you gain victory and triumph over your temptations, the more easy it is to have victory and triumph over your temptations. The more you give in to sin, the easier it is to give in to sin. So allow the temptations and testings of your life to train you in godliness and to cause you to be pressed toward Jesus Christ in surrender and abiding and dependency in this desperation that says, God, I need you to do something in and through my life and let that begin to train your spiritual life. Number three, you realize that the daily disciplines of choosing to focus and spend time with God is, a, as, is an avenue to train you. Now, I'm not just talking about daily devotions and that kind of thing. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. And hey, I support that. But you realize that, again, if all you ever do is the daily devotions and you check it off your list and then you go about your day, see, what good was that? You, you, you feel good because you checked it off a list. See, what would happen if you would spend time with Jesus in the morning and then... All throughout your day, you spent time with Jesus. 
that it wasn't spend 15 minutes in the prayer closet, lock them in there, and then go about your day. This is, why don't, why don't you allow Jesus to be a part of every moment of every single day? And you're just living in the discipline of practicing his presence and just living in his, in his life and his love and his, oh, I want that for you. Now, are there going to be days where you have to choose that versus days that it comes easily? Of course. Just like an athlete, there's days where he wakes up or she wakes up and is excited to exercise. And there are days where they go, oh, no, not today. But they do it because they know it's going to really improve and press them in this training. Well, the same thing's true about our spiritual life. Begin to allow God to discipline your life where you're constantly daily pressing into him and allowing him to be your focus. Number four, the fourth thing that trains us in our spiritual life is, well, (laughs) other people, primarily in fellowship and accountability. Proverbs 27, 17 says iron sharpens iron. See, it's when iron smacks against other iron that it begins to be sharpened. And in a similar sense, when you and I are in fellowship and accountability as, as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, you realize that that's going to train us. That when I hear what God's doing in your life, I become inspired and, and I become pressed. Hey, when, when I start doing something that I shouldn't be doing and you come up and you correct me and say, hey, do you recognize that as a Christian, that should not be in your life? See that, that attitude you have? Yeah, that should not be there. See, that begins to refine and God will use other people in our lives to help train us spiritually, that it's going to refine us and and build up our spiritual muscle. So don't forsake others. In fact, embrace other people in both fellowship and accountability and let them sharpen you and shape you and press you because God's going to use that in your life. Number five, and this should be obvious, but the word of God is one of the primary means of training in the spiritual life. That as you come to the word of God, again, not just so you can have information, but that so that you can be transformed by the truth so you can get wrapped up in intimacy and oneness with Jesus. And as I get wrapped up in intimacy with him, he just begins to change how I think and how I live and how I talk. See, you need to be in the word of God. And that does go back to number three, which is that idea of discipline. But I encourage you, get in the word of God, be reading it and studying it, not because you have to, not because it's a forced thing, not because there's a thumb on your back, but because, oh, I want to know Jesus Christ and I want to be transformed by truth. And as you begin to do that, you'll realize that the word of God is going to become the boundary and it's going to start building the spiritual muscle in your life. It's going to start revealing things. It's going to start pressing your life. It is going to be a double-edged sword in your soul that begins to divide and prick and press and, and cut away things that should not be there. It's going to define how you think. It's going to define how you talk. It's going to define how you live. So allow the word of God to transform you and train you and godliness and spirituality. A sixth way that trains us in our spiritual life is choosing to walk in obedience to the indwelling Holy Spirit. As a believer, the Holy Spirit lives inside of your life, which means as he presses you and encourages you and guides you into all truth, according to John 16, what's going to take place is he's going to reveal things in your life and you are going to need to decide to walk in obedience to what he is revealing in your life. And as you choose to walk in obedience to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your life, you're going to notice that that is going to refine and train you spiritually. And number seven, turn outward 
and don't be concerned with yourself. See, it's amazing that when we turn outward, whether it be through evangelism or through serving or through giving or merely just walking in humility, that as we don't focus inward, but rather we focus outward more often than not getting out of our comfort zone, that that is going to train you in your spiritual life. See, when you have the good news and you're really nervous to talk to to a stranger about the, the gospel and what you have inside of you, but you decide, you know what, this really does mean a lot of my life and it has transformed me. And I do want to share it with other people. I'm just nervous to do so. When you take that bold step to talk to a stranger and evangelize, that will train you. When someone at your church says, hey, does somebody have a testimony of all that God has done in in their life this week? And you nervously raise your hand and say, yes, I just want to testify of God's goodness in my life this week. That's going to train you. As you begin to turn outward and declare God's truth and his goodness, as you turn outward and begin to serve the people around you, as you turn outward and you give of your time and of your resources and of your energy, the turning outward is going to train you in godliness. No doubt there's other ways that God is going to train you in the spiritual life. But those are seven simple ways that you can progress forward in building up that spiritual muscle. So unlike the athletes in American Ninja Warrior who train for a competition that they know is coming every summer, see, we as Christians train daily because we never know when we might need to be ready in the spiritual battle that we are in. Galatians 6, 9, Paul says, Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. We are in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual race. There is this massive competition that's even greater and more grand than American Ninja Warrior. And it's not something we have to wait for each summer. This is a daily competition. And we don't know what obstacles we're going to face in the days to come. But would you begin to allow God to train you today and then tomorrow and then the next day? So let God begin to train you spiritually to build up those spiritual muscles so that when trials, temptations, difficulties, hardships, the events of life come, you are able to stand strong because of Christ Jesus in your life. So why would you wait for the competition? Why would you wait for the trial? Begin to be tested. Begin to be trained now. So let me encourage you, don't grow weary while doing good. Let God begin to train you and discipline you and and prepare you for what is to come. We don't know what's around the next corner. But just like I noticed with the athletes in American Ninja Warrior, those who trained day by day by day, who were willing to give blood, sweat, and tears in the preparation, the obstacles just appeared a lot easier than those who had a lot less training. What would happen if you would allow God to train you and press you and really shape you as a man or a woman of God now so that you are constantly ready for what was going to lie before you? See, don't just wait till the trial and don't just wait for the competition or the race spiritually to say, oh, I should probably prepare for this. The testing and the preparation needs to start now, which is why the Psalms are full of language like day and night. I cry out to you. I meditate upon your word day and night, day by day, by day, by day, by day, by day, by day. Would you let God spiritually train, shape and transform your mind? change your language and how you talk, that he would alter how you interacted with the people around you. Well, I'm cheering you on to that end. And my prayer for you this week is that 
you would allow God to train you. In fact, I'm going to be praying that God puts opportunities in your life this week for you to be trained, whether it be hardships and difficulties or temptations, or whether you're confronted with discipline or uh, the people around you, whether it be fellowship or accountability, or that you just have a greater love for the word of God, that it would transform your life, that you would choose to walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and that you'd be pressed to turn outward. Regardless of what he does to press you and train you, Oh, my prayer is that your spiritual muscle, that your godliness and your holiness would only increase the more you were pressed in to Jesus Christ. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 81 for episode number 81. And until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ. <laughs>